All right, Christian, here we are by the fire in our finest smoking jackets, <laughs> puffing on premium Cubans in the wooded hills of beautiful Eagle River, Alaska. Are we allowed the, to admit on air that we're smoking Cubans? Uh, yes, because we didn't say where. Okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, would, would it be better if I said a, a glass of like Macallan 18? I don't even know what that is. It's a really nice scotch. Ah. Uh. Not, I, I can't I afford it. I can afford Macallan 12 once in a while. I, I haven't had too much scotch. Oh, well, you should change that. <laughs> it's delicious. Okay, as soon as you buy. Ooh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yep. Okay, with a, with a glass of Macallan 18 swirling in our hands, and we're about to discuss a very interesting topic. What is that topic? Is it Operation Paperclip? Operation Paperclip. Yes, indubitably. Indubitably. And if you'd be so kind as to describe this particular topic in one sentence for our listeners, what would it be? After World War II, the Russians in the U.S. were after all the Nazi scientists. Mm. And Operation Paperclip just happened to be our program to bring all the scientists that we could from Nazi Germany to the U.S. Mm. Was that one sentence? Uh, indeed, yes. Oh. But it is what the uh, English teachers would probably refer to as a run-on sentence. I'll allow it. Uh, either way, that is freaky deaky. <laughs> totally. feet up, fire up your finest cigar, pour yourself a drink, open your mind, and enjoy the show. This is kind of like a free-for-all episode. Um, We'll probably be doing them once a month or so. Pretty much just a, a fun little break from extensive deep dives on all this research and information and everything like that pertaining to these topics. Um, so this kind of stuff will have, I mean, it could go either way. It could be, we could have listener stories, uh, if that ever happens, if people (laughs) ever send in stories for me to read, I'm 100% down with that. So it could just be, you know, whatever. It's pretty much just like a free for all, whatever you want to do, we can do. So we could have listener stories. We could have, uh, kind of like what this is, which is somewhat of like a, a rabbit hole episode where we can start with talking about one subject and it could probably end on, you know, one of a million other subjects where it's kind of intertwined or spiderweb throughout. And these are going to be fun because a lot of the stuff, especially in conspiracy world, is kind of um, connected. Some of these crazy conspiracies out there are all connected with like one another. Like this is the reason this happened These at this year, this time, all stuff, you know. So that's, that's kind of what it is. Uh, without... Further ado, would you be able to kind of open up a little bit about what Operation Paperclip was and what like the intention was behind everything and why we did it? I can. One thing about Operation Paperclip that is interesting to me is it is an actual conspiracy that happened that's mm. provable. All the facts are out there for everybody to see. When it first happened, it wasn't really well known in the U.S. As, as the, the Germans were getting ready to lose World War II, at that time, like I said, the Russians, the Soviets at that time, Mm. and the U.S. were after their scientists because they were already planning that they were going to be the next enemies, that it was just setting up 
in the world that they would be the two enemies, the yeah. superpowers. So they were. It was a, a race to get all these scientists, and these scientists, knowing that the war was coming to to an end, started trying to make deals so that they could basically be protected from prosecution at yeah. the end of the war, war for war crimes that they knew were, they they knew these prosecutions were coming. A lot of these Nazi they, scientists. They they were like scientist free agents at Cut, some like. Yeah, they uh, they saw what was coming, and they became opportunist. Yeah. And so, so as Russia or the Soviets moved into the eastern part of Germany, as the U.S. and the West, including Britain, started moving into the western part of Germany, they had a, a group of uh, soldiers that were out trying to find these scientists. Yeah. And as they would go into an area, they would send this group out and they would do the research, find the paperwork, and it would lead them to the scientists that were on their list, which at that point there were probably hundreds, if not more. So they started uh, soon after, after they'd caught the scientists, they would they had a little camp with the, that they kept them in for a while, treated them really well, actually, considering these- Better many than, of, you know, they treated us or, you know, the Jews, for instance, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But eventually a lot of them came to the U.S. One or two of them became pretty famous. And there's been stories and conspiracies about it ever since then. I, I know of like Werner von Braun and what's the other one? Otto Ambrose or there's a couple Ottos. It, yeah, I don't think it was Ambrose. I want to say it was like it was an H name like Otto. Uh, I, don't know, I keep wanting to say Heimlich, but that's, <laughs> that's 100% guaranteed not it. But it was Otto. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look back into it. I can't remember the one thing interesting about Werner von Braun is he eventually ended up on an episode of The Wonderful World of Disney talking about rocket ships. Was this in the 90s? No, this was back like way in, back in the day then probably. Yeah, okay. 60s, early yeah. 70s. Okay. Um, and at the time not too many people knew about him, but like just a little he was a director, technical director of V weapons development, yeah. which were the first rockets that the Germans developed that they were shooting over into Britain yeah. a lot. And that's where the US one of the reasons the US was really interested in him. And he was interested in the U.S. is because he wanted to continue his rocket work. Yeah. But some of the some of the building of these rockets used slave labor from concentration camps. So technically, yeah, that's a war crime. Um, yeah, one of many that yeah. that could have absolutely been pinned on these guys. Yeah. Like, and so, I mean, that kind of followed him throughout his life in the U.S. He he stayed pretty safe. He got paid well. Yeah. Um, when he got to the U.S., he worked on our Saturn V pro rocket program, which eventually got us to the moon. So he was one of the ones directly responsible for for getting us to the moon. Were these unsealed documents at some point? Like, did they wait fifty years to be like, oh, by the way, we brought Nazis over to America? A lot of the a lot of the uh, discoveries have been done by reporters and writers throughout that time. So it wasn't even like the government themselves were like, hey, guys, we're doing this. To be fair, to, there were a lot of people in the government that were upset about bringing these scientists yeah. over. But the U.S. decided it was more important to be ahead of the Russians going into the Cold War that they knew were, was coming. Yeah. And the Russians felt the same. The Russians actually let all, some of the scientists go back to Germany later on after they were done with whatever yeah, they used yeah. them for. I'm sure it wasn't all perfect there. Russia doesn't tend to treat prisoners well. Yeah, but yeah, that, that remains the same today. Yeah, and so they, they let them kind of go, but a lot of the ones that came to the U.S. stayed in the U.S. and had oh, families yeah. and you know set their families up decently. So there's technically, 
I guess I, I, there's there's a lot of conspiracies that can branch off of just that alone, like Nazis coming into America, scientists or otherwise, and starting families and starting lives and stuff. And I understand this is the great melting pot and we're supposed to be you know accepting of everyone. But I guess the thing that is a little terrifying to think about for a lot of people is the fact that if these people brought their ideals with them, you know, like and they're starting like building families and stuff in America with these Nazi ideals, like sure, they're scientists and yeah, they're smart and stuff. But like, what is what's their moral compass pointing to when they start like families out here? You know, is that slowly corrupting our nation? I would say, first off, when they brought them to this country, those guys were basically always under surveillance. Yeah. Um, But is that provable or is that just like... The FBI and other groups within the government were paying attention. So you didn't have any crazy master race scientist. Or or there might have been some that had worked in that program for sure. But they weren't coming over here promoting that kind of stuff. From what we can tell, there were probably a couple hardcore ones that stayed hardcore, but just kept it quiet. Yeah. But most of them were just opportunist. They had which been, makes sense. Yeah. Like, they were scientists, and they were convinced that they were doing important work. Mm. Some of them, you know, were killing people with their work and didn't mm. care because they looked down upon the Jews. You know, it, it's it's an it's a tough situation because in some ways the U.S. was smart to do that. Mm. But it also shows that to run a nation, especially a powerful nation, you don't always do the the good the good things, the right things. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a moral dilemma. I mean, there there's a was one person that was convicted, and that was the Otto Ambrose I mentioned. Hmm. Um, he was an IG Farben chemist, which was the big chemical company back then. He was convicted at Nuremberg. He was in charge of slave labor at Auschwitz. Hmm. Uh, he later worked for the U.S. government. And U.S. Department of Energy also went on to work for European governments and other private companies yeah. after being released early after being convicted at Nuremberg so he could come work for the U.S. Did he get he and you said he got into trouble out here or that was in he didn't really get into trouble. He just uh, like this was a guy that just ended up working for other other governments. Mm. And most of the scientists didn't even go to Nuremberg. This one did. Yeah. Um, and he was in charge of facilities that just did cruel things to the prisoners. Yeah. Uh, and so he, because he was in charge of it, he definitely should have been in the know. But he still made it and lived a decent life afterwards because of his knowledge or what people yeah. thought was his knowledge. Uh, do you happen to know how many, um, like, is there a rough estimate of how many Nazis actually defected to America? Like, not not just scientists, but Nazis in general. No, I don't think that there's they've ever really been able to figure that out. Yeah. Um, Nazis were really not a thing after World War II. I mean, yeah, and they're making a comeback apparently, but it's a weird white trash. Yeah, uh, neo Nazis are a lot, a lot different than Nazis. Absolutely, yeah. The the Nazis wouldn't have taken the majority of the neo Nazis because they would have been inferior. That just wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. I know. Um, I forget what what it was, but I think the was I was it Ivan the Terrible that that came over to America after World War Two, like because he was or Ivan the Terrible. You, you threw me off because I was thinking of Russian leader. Yeah. Um, I know there were a couple. Like there were people that came over. Yeah. That it somehow escaped and made it to the U.S. And yeah. And this guy had a family out here. He had everything, and you know, got taken to court by. Wasn't it? Know, Demyemuk or some Ivan Demyemuk something like it was that. yeah it was some name that I would never try to pronounce but yeah I, I know there was a guy that he was more in Eastern Europe but he was a Nazi yeah. and I 
and he was in charge of concentration camps. Yeah, and like just doing like horrible stuff to people, right. man. Like just well, and then you look at like there's certain the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Hmm. Or there's a group, from what I understand, within under that umbrella that would go out and actually track down Nazis, yeah, including going to South America, kidnapping somebody in South America, bringing them to Germany to stand trial. So yeah. the hunt still goes on, even though there's probably only one or two left alive but that's in this what, country. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's something that gets passed down generation to generation, you know, like... Like for me personally, I was raised to be patriotic, like like not to an extreme, but like this is our government, this is our land, this is our country, we love it, hooray, you know, we all stand up, say a pledge of allegiance. Like if that type of ideology gets pushed on from generation to generation like it does in the States, isn't it possible that some of the Nazis that came from Germany pushed their like ideologies down to their generations and so we could have like actual nazis still like alive and well in the states and never even know i think that that could happen but it's really hard to have a large movement in this country once you get americanized those type of things don't tend to especially in modern age where it's all about getting money um yeah you know there's probably ways to trace it back or to make connections to different medical programs through the years Mm -hmm. that are connected and trying to make the population stronger mentally and physically there's all kinds of connections to be made but i I just it's hard to see that ideology surviving yeah when especially when you go to places where many nazis went in south america and you see there i there might be some ideology but it doesn't really work in the you know they would mm. take a massive step from where they are now to bring it into modern society yeah even with all the right-wing white supremacists popping up in different areas of the world yeah that, that needs to be stamped out pretty quick like it just gets old man it gets like looking at tv like oh, okay yeah yeah i think at some point it'll be less alluring to people mm. i don't know whether that's five years or 20 years or more the other things will become important but to stamp that out i guess we have to be a little bit more honest that it's still there yeah i mean i I guess like how many generations do you think it takes for something like that that kind of hatred to wear off because we're we're not super far removed from world war ii or any of that like it's only been 80 years that's what like maybe three four generations um two maybe three i think i think it just takes attention to why those people hate yeah and it could take a lot of generations because some of it is kept so close to their vest and because it doesn't fit into their society. It's like passed down when people are just angry and they, they say something off the cuff and you're just like, wait, is that how we're supposed to think? You know, kids just pick it up type of thing. Like Could be. Um, but also kids get rid of that stuff because they tend yeah. to rebel too when they get to become a teenager. True, yeah. Whatever ideology was they were raised with, they tend to rebel against. And a lot of Forget all this. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. So probably, I mean, I think we're pretty much close to that point where we're going to stamp some of that out Mm. and it's not going to be acceptable again yeah or it's going to be at a higher level to where what was acceptable a couple years ago wouldn't be acceptable anymore we already see Mm. that it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and attention to get past things like that you know i mean then you see the deals like with operation paperclip that we make where we're trying to gain from bad people yeah it's kind of understandable, but also sickening at the same time. Yeah. Do you think, like, were these scientists just used for to get us to space? Or was it, do you think that maybe, because I know there's a big budget for science. 
and some of it is on the books and some of it's off the books. Like, do you think some of them were not just doing these these rockets and stuff like that, but actually doing some other stuff that maybe, like I said, with as far as ideologies go, like if we bring German scientists over who are working on like eugenics or or like crazy stuff like that, would they continue that in the United States? Because like around that same time that they came over is when certain things started popping off in the States, too, that are kind of frowned upon by most people that hear about it. Well, I'd say... uh the eugenics part of it actually started more in the United States. Hmm. Um, Hitler and his and his group used some of the same philosophies that had been going on in the United States. Yeah. Um, at the so we're it, just all ripping each other. Off, well, it was just it, like, it was at the be- beginning of the 1900s. There were a group of eugenists that were pretty, you know, set up in society in a high level. It became frowned upon once it was realized what Hitler was doing, but Hitler had taken directly from the the Americans that were in a eugenist society to further along his master race plans and or to use them as justification. But there were scientists, it wasn't just rocket scientists that came over here, a lot of chemical scientists that worked on chemical warfare and the same in Russia. Why does everything got to be like war related though? Or like, I mean, why we always got to just prove ourselves or just, why can't it just be like, hey, let's bring someone over that maybe could help the planet or help our country in ways that aren't just to, like bragging rights, you know? like I would say that a lot of that happened too. It just wasn't publicized? Well, I mean, a lot of, you could probably trace back a lot of our, our some of our, a lot of our new, well, not even our new stuff, but just our stuff that has made life easier Yeah, as a connection to that stuff, offshoots of their studies, things such as the pressurized suits for our pilots. Hmm. Um, a lot of that came from Nazi scientists. There was a, a Nazi scientist that experimented on prisoners with decompression and um, atmos- high at- atmospheric stuff. To experimented see. on people like, hey, we're just going to shoot you up into the air. And no, they would do things. On, they had a lab that would oh, simulate yeah, yeah, yeah. what it would be like, and yeah. they would basically put these people in these things and, and kill them but see how long it took them to die at certain levels. And eventually that led to the spacesuits we use and yeah. the suits that a lot of jet fighters use to protect them from, from the, what's going on in their, their body when they're at such a high speed of travel yeah. or a, a high, high altitude. Yeah, that's kind of sad, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're torturing people in bed, but hey, at least your life, you know, it came into these, these beautiful suits that our pilots wear now. Well, yeah, we, how many of our pilots have been saved from those suits? Yeah. And that's what they used it for. They used it how to how to protect pilots. Yeah. Um, what they needed to do to protect the pilots of the jet age that was just coming to be at the yeah. end of World War Two. I mean, so it was a horrible, horrible experiments and torturous and painful for the prisoners. Hmm. And the U.S. decided that they needed that technology to protect their, their pilots. Yeah. So, I mean, you you see both sides of it do you throw away that knowledge to convict these people no probably but i I mean i'm all about yeah like using if you use it for good like if even regardless of how it was found out if you're if the end goal is to use it to something that will save lives or something you're still taking something that was bad and turning it good like so it's a positive thing but i don't know there's there's just like a a weird moral quandary with it where you're like uh well those people that do that stuff should be held accountable no matter where they're from. Yeah. Whether they're U.S. citizens or Nazi scientists, people should be held accountable and we should be able to to do that in these yeah. cases because this was obvious guilt in a lot of 
lot of situations. Again, I mean, the knowledge is it is needed it, if you're going to be a powerful nation. You have to make deals with the devil, I guess. And the U.S. Yeah. or any other powerful nation have done that before. And that's why there are so many conspiracies out there, because they do do some things to mm. keep us powerful that are questionable. Yeah, but no one's ever going to know about it unless people stop calling them conspiracies and actually just look into it and be like, is this fact? Like, did this happen? You know, instead of just being like, oh, that sounds nuts. You must be insane. Well, and that's one of the interesting things about Operation Paperclip is it's a fact. Yeah. It's one of the few things that you can say was a conspiracy that that was provable. And that's most of them aren't, or it's really hard to prove any of them. But this one was pretty simple. And you see both sides of the argument. You see why a lot of military people that were in charge of these these Germans were really upset about the fact that they were in the U.S. working for the government, sometimes working directly for the army or, you know, the Navy at the time. And it was really troublesome to these patriotic soldiers that had fought this kind of evil and then later found out just how evil the not Nazis were. Did we get any of the scientists from Germany that were working on, uh, you know, some of the, the weirder machines that, that Hitler was doing with, you know, like, what is it, deglocking? And uh, I don't, if we did, that part is still under wraps. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you said it yourself, you think that alien sightings are just government prototypes and stuff like that, right? Or like government technology that we're not aware of. I think most of them would be, you know, technology we're not aware of or, yeah. you know, some of our reconnaissance aircraft or advanced fighters that have been flying for years that people just didn't know about. Yeah. You know, those those are the ones that are provable but not provable because it's it's a quiet thing. Yeah. Um, or it's secret. But usually we find out about it later. I mean, it's just a, it's a little fishy that I mean, H- Hitler was working on, you know, all kinds of like strange crafts and stuff and trying to get, you know, pretty much anything that looked like UFOs into existence. Right. right. And so now out here, most of the UFO sightings from, you know, now all the way back to what early I think the earliest one I'm aware of is like 1917 or something like that. They start looking like like they, they look the exact same as these drawings that Hitler had. Right. So is it I mean, it would if if it was, after all, a government thing and it was just like suppressed technology that the public doesn't need to know about. Wouldn't it be interesting to look at it and be like, oh, that looks exactly like something that Hitler's guys drew up? Well, but then you could go back and say that the Hitler guys drew it up because they'd seen and read science fiction and, yeah, you know, it understood what science fiction was doing, which is similar to now. Whatever science fiction is doing, we try we try to emulate or we try to yeah, come up with. And that's okay. That's why, okay, I love the show Black Mirror, but I hate it at the same time because you can almost just set a clock to it that if you see an episode of Black Mirror two years from now, you're going to see a, a news article saying something along the lines of what you saw. And so the more twisted they get with these episodes and the more this writing progresses, people are, they're not just looking at it as entertainment. They're looking at it like inspiration, you know, like, Ooh, that would be fun to try. And that's, that's where it gets dangerous because we're not, we shouldn't be doing this stuff. I think it's, it's, you always see it. Like when you go back and you watch Twilight Zone, Hmm. you know, and look at when that was made fifties and sixties. Yeah. And you see a little while after that, some of the same science fiction stuff they had there came into being. So those guys are usually paying attention to what's coming in the world, what's going on, because you can kind of, you can't really see the future, but you can see like the future of technology and how it yeah, affects Yeah, you can kind of ballpark it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And Black Mirror is just a, a great show about how these, how our world and the future of our world is, is affecting individuals. Mm. 
which is similar to what the Twilight Zone was doing. It's kind of a good psychological study. Yeah. Both shows, because I think they're connected directly mm. um, to humans, you know, and how we react and our weaknesses, the fact that we can justify letting more criminals work for us and have a good life. Yeah. Like, Some oh, of the worst war, war criminals there, there were. Like, like how, how, and that's another thing. Like, okay, when they came over here, wh- how well did they live? Was, did they have like a lot of money? Did they, did we pay them handsomely to come over from, you know? I would say most of them were upper middle class yeah, because they were making good money from mm-hmm. different corporations or, or yeah. the government. So at that time, upper middle class was pretty, it was pretty good living yeah. in the U.S. Now it's not the same, but at that time you were, you were pretty set up. So, so these people committed these atrocities on humanity and then got, you know, drafted by the good guys to come in and play for our team and then get rewarded handsomely on top of that. Like upper middle class is living nice. You know, it's not like, you know, high, high rollers or anything like that, but it's, you're comfortable. Right. You know, I don't know. See, I don't know how I feel about that. Like if anything, bring them over and be like, Hey, you work for us, eat shit. Okay. <laughs> like right. that's, you know, where we don't like you, you're working for us. If you stop working for us, we'll break your necks. Yeah. Like that's, that's honestly, that would, I'd be a little more comfortable with that. If it was just like, Hey, we don't like this any more than you do. But instead we're like, here, oh, here, try this, do this. Oh, start a family, build a home, build right. a life. Like well, uh, one of the reasons we were able to get so many of these scientists is because of the deals we made. Yeah. They knew what kind of deal they'd get for us. Some of them would go, and surrender to the Americans or the British because they knew they would have a chance, you know, to survive. Yeah. A lot of them were afraid of the Russians because they were mortal en- enemy. Some, they would still, if they were caught by the Russians, agree to work for them because really what other choice yeah, what did they the have? Options? Yeah. Definitely. And I would say in a similar way, the ones the U.S. chose to work with really didn't have a choice. They would have had to probably face the law if they didn't agree to work for the u.s yeah do you is there a rough estimate of how many came over uh, i think it was in the in the thousands in the thousands yeah no see we're living in nazi america then <laughs> i understand it was like yeah we brought like 15 or 20 but if we brought thousands of nazi scientists over no no way their corruption has to happen at some point it's not but, like this just went smooth and well, everyone's you, fine. you also got to remember that not all of these nazi scientists were devout Nazis. Some of them were. Yeah. Some of them towed the party line. Some of them were in charge of bad things. Yeah. A lot of them were just doing their job, trying to, you know, because that's what they had to do in a wartime nation. And they had to join the Nazi party to have a job. Yeah. A lot of them probably didn't know about how bad the atrocities were. A lot of them did, though, because they were scientists and that stuff was yeah spread throughout the nation. I would say that when you're swept up in an in that kind of movement like Germany was and there was no other choice but to be a Nazi party member. Yeah. So not all of them were just straight out evil. Also, I was just doing my job or following orders. Yeah. It's not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, maybe there, there were some that weren't, you know, dedicated Nazis. We're like, I don't really like what we're doing here, but I also don't want a bolt in the head. So I'm going to do what I got to do. But the idea of, uh, I know, okay, if you and a thousand of your closest friends, even if that's a number that I do, I know, I don't even know a thousand people for sure. Uh, let's say that you got kidnapped and you got taken to some jungle somewhere. Right. And you're like, okay, you work for us now. You have to do this. 
wouldn't you secretly be plotting a way to take down the people that got you? Or is it, it because they're the paying me like, ah, I'm living the good life. I'm just going to like ride it out. There's no way that they got Americanized where they're like, oh, yeah, barbecues and hamburgers and Fourth of July. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I just I, there's got to be some basement somewhere filled with old Nazi men who are like those bastards. You know, we should have won. We can still win. We'll destroy him from the inside, which is happening right now. But not Nazi related. Hopefully. I, I think that's that there could be a few that would be devout and try to do that. But yeah. there were a lot of people paying attention, including some of these people that came to the country and they found out they either weren't as good technically or they were yeah. involved in things that they didn't expect. They didn't find in their first investigation mm. of, of these scientists. They were sent back to Germany or sent one guy, I think, was just basically kicked out of the country and ended up somewhere in South America. You couldn't have your Nazi ideology out in the open, Mm. which eventually means it was going to go under because you can't if you can't have an organization and all the and a lot of these guys were spread across the country or some of them were placed in Europe. There wasn't a great chance for them to organize and to 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 set up the downfall of their former enemy. They didn't didn't have 4chan back then. No, no. And technically, they didn't hate us as much as they hated other people. We just came in and helped defeat them. Hmm. They they were more angry at, like, Britain and Russia at the time. So they tried to to ally with other countries to, to beat them. And then once they were worried about us getting involved because of all the strength we could bring. Yeah. And that's... So they, they, we weren't their mortal enemies at that time. Well, that is a little more comforting, but still the number thousands is, it's not going to sit right with me. Well, if you watch like interfictional stuff about the Germans coming out of, mm. or the Nazis coming out of Germany after World War II, I mean, there's a, on, is it Netflix Hunters or is it Amazon? Amazon, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. And you still need to finish that show because it is amazing. Right. But it's, it's based around the Nazi. The operation paperclip mm. or bringing over influential germans but it's a little bit more sinister yeah in, in just what i've seen the first couple episodes you know th- those make great stories but in reality that kind of conspiracy especially with all the hatred mm. amongst the powerful in washington and in the military would be really hard for them not to be found out and plus there was j edgar hoover and the fbi at the time mm who would have tracked down and followed every single one of those people, whether they did something wrong or not, just because that was his job. And he was really serious about surveillance and yeah. black blackmail and make, keeping an eye on the subversives. Yeah. I mean, on paper, sure. But like, you don't think they got lazy a few days and like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, I mean, is it something that they, is they're really die hard about? Because the government today, not that great. Like they, a lot of stuff slips through the cracks. They don't pay attention to a lot of things. And then. You know, so isn't it possible that was also going on? And so we weren't as on them as we should have been. There's always that possibility. But the fact that we haven't really seen any of that stuff all these years later start slipping out. Yeah. Yeah. Tells me it was it was quashed at some point or it just didn't become powerful enough or worth it. I mean, if you are living in the United States and your family's been somewhat well off through the years there's no reason to change that yeah yeah if if that's your mindset like if you're like hey you know what i lived a weird life i did a lot of strange things that i'm not proud of but it's better now i live here i have a family i love them 
not going to try world domination, not going to hop on that boat again. Right. You know, yeah, I can see that. I just don't think it's realistic to think that every single one of them felt that way. And I'm sure it's not the case. Yeah. You go down to South America, there's a German areas where a lot of soldiers and other Nazis went after World War II to escape yeah. prosecution. Oh. And those they still speak German in, in those towns. They have German architecture. There's, you can go into some houses and see the Nazi medals that the family kept. But, you know, these are also the same people that are married to locals or, and have mm. brown children. Yeah. So how much of their Nazi master race stuck with all, all those times? Yeah. Well, you think if you grab like a cup of coffee with them and you're like, so so what do you believe? What do you like? Do you think it would still be spilling out of them? Like, honestly, this is how it should have happened. You know, like, I don't know. Or is it somewhere there's like, yeah, I don't care anymore. I think most people once once they saw the atrocities and realized what it did, hmm. they're not quite as excited to be that kind of Nazi. I'm yeah. sure there's a few, because there's always some a few that are problems, but yeah. most of them, I think, just became normal people again. Yeah, you would need a strange mindset to, because a lot of stuff has come out about, you know, the Nazi party in general since World War II. Like, even you look at, um, I was just watching something about, like, Nostradamus's three antichrists or whatever and you know hitler's supposed to be number two so if if you found out that information wouldn't you be like oh shit i was part of the the antichrist you know that, you know like 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 supposedly obviously nothing is if is, they believe yeah. that stuff but they also yeah. used nostradamus in some of their in some of the inner circles of the nazi party to justify what they were doing and the takeovers they they found people to interpret it to be this is about germany dominating this region and you know, and yeah. that's Nostradamus is a whole different show on itself. Yeah, what a strange. Yeah, I absolutely at some point, yes. Fun to listen to, but not very helpful. Yeah. You know, or fun to read, but not very helpful because it's so coded, you can't tell anything. Have you heard any conspiracy theories that aren't just about Nazis coming over, like uh, stuff that they might have done when they got here, like th just throughout the years? Not really. I haven't heard too many like anything that would be conspiracy theory. I mean, there's some connection to M MK Ultra hmm. um, later on, which is this the CIA's basically trying to find a truth serum. Is that well, that's not Monarch? Is it Monarch? Is MK K Ultra is more to do with like LSD? Oh yeah, 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 with the uh, with like Manson and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and oh. even you know one of the guys connected to that program, um, Sidney Gottlieb was. He worked for the U.S. government, and he was an he was an American that worked for the U.S. U.S. government. I think he was later in the CIA or connected to the CIA, and mm. he was involved in the Operation Paperclip as well. But later on, I think he used some of maybe some of these former Nazi chemists to set up some of these these experiments with yeah. the LSD and and all that kind of stuff. There was more to it than that. They were. Yeah. testing all kinds of things and searching for all kinds of things mind control right pretty much like uh yeah they wanted yeah. to learn how to control the minds and we have two movies called the manchurian candidate based on that yeah. theory and plenty of people try to talk about how the gov government's trying to control our minds yeah but there's plenty of people that also have come out saying that they were a part of it like that they were experimented on and that's that's another one of those conspiracies that did yeah. end up true. But the stuff that the stories like, have you listened to some of the stories like oh, yeah. from if what they're saying is accurate to what actually happened with just MK Ultra alone? That is no, you shouldn't be doing that ever. I don't care who you work for, what you're trying to do. That is just 
a stupid use of power and it's and it's literally just traumatizing people like you're not doing anything to help them right they, they don't gain anything from it they're just being fucked with and the end you know like thanks for your service to america is that it you know it's kind of what it is i mean the ends justify the means yeah but it i mean it's a sad reality to to that form of leadership in the, in the world where you're constantly on war footing yeah. I, especially I mean, now you can go to nuclear you can go go to war and destroy the world yeah just really easily so i think it's when you have to protect your society and project power to protect your society like yeah. the u.s does you do some dark things yeah but you're also in in that sense and i understand if you're looking at it from just a like a small picture you're like this is what we need to do right now for this cause for this and this but if you look at it from a big picture of let's say a hundred people got experimented on right and that would that would you say that's a generous number or that that's a lot less than it actually was? What type what type of experiments? Anything that that alters your mind. Oh, it was it was way yeah. Way, well, hundred is way low. Yeah. So that that's me being very kind and saying just a hundred. Let's say one hundred people got so messed with that they're not only like paranoid. They have all these weird things like nobody believes them when they talk about what what they went through. They're called crazy constantly. They're labeled. Let's say these hundred people eventually get settled down, find someone to love, get married, have families. This is a generational thing where you're screwing with an entire family line like that gets I I feel like that that kind of trauma gets embedded in our DNA and is passed down. And so you're slowly corrupting the, the actual like citizens of this country by just messing with this one person. So it seems like maybe it's not a big deal or it's ah, just a hundred people, but cut to 80 to a hundred years from now. Like what are the mindsets of those people? Like, are they, do they have poverty mindsets where they're like just pushed down constantly? You could go either way with, as far as the mindset goes, because a lot of that's your environment. Yeah. Who you're exposed to and And yeah, it could really affect you. I, I mean, when they talk about trauma being encoded in your DNA, mm-hmm. I believe it's epigenetics, which mm-hmm. is, I'm not sure how far we've gotten in the study, but the theory is that trauma is held within you and it changes you in the future and it may change or be embedded yeah. in your offspring. So that's slowly like corrupting the genetic code of America in general. But that's always happened anyway. I mean, that's always been a part of human society. Something yeah. traumatic happens and it may change in some way your future evolution. They've gone back and studied people that were exposed to famines. Mm-hmm. You know, so they basically didn't have food or... Are they all fat now? No, they they found out that their children lived kind of a normal life. Their grandchildren tended to live longer. So something... Really? theory is at least something in in that trauma Hmm. of not being able to to really survive triggered something in their body to change so their future generations would thrive um and live longer yeah which is kind of a brilliant thing that your body can do if that Hmm. is in fact true because that really protects society so in this case in the right environment the future people the future um descendants might be stronger in other ways which we might be seeing right now in our society it seems really chaotic mm. but people are 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 getting really good at dealing with all the information or you know and it just doesn't seem like it because it's so chaotic right now but yeah. people are able to handle mul- multiple streams of information at one time 
you know, the younger generations and not let it overwhelm them like the older generations do when they get all this information. So I think it's, it's, it's easy to look at it in a bad way, but the humans tend to persevere and get better, Hmm. you know, throughout time. That's why they say now is the least violent time in human history or recorded history since we moved into yeah out of the hunter gatherer society and into cities this is the least violent it's been in that time period yeah but Even, you wouldn't know that if you watched any news network anywhere at any time right but that's just because that's what's going to make keep us watching is violence and tragedy we yeah you know i mean that, at, what, at what point do we just say to hell with news like the i, I news. think a lot of people are now and that's why like support those smaller news, like the the little independent ones, you know, where they're like, hey, I'm going around, I'm doing research right here. This is like, instead of like, you know, chastising him and being like, you're not a real reporter. You're not doing, if people are actually going out and doing the research that like mainstream media isn't doing, I don't know why like put them down for that or why calling them crazy or anything like that. Like regardless of what they come back with. I think sometimes they can't verify all their facts because they don't have the connections or the money to get yeah. to the facts. They can always... You know, and there's a lot of them that just go out there and throw this crazy stuff out there mm. um, that undermines those doing good work. You know, people coming out and to the point where there's a guy going to a pizzeria with a with a military weapon because he thinks there's a bunch of pedophiles underneath. I mean, wherever he got that story from, he believed it, but mm. it was not a credible story. And was he at the correct pizzeria? Obviously not. If there's such a thing, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like the people yeah. that throw out those kind of things that have no backing other than an entertaining, crazy story yeah. undermine people that could actually do good work and do good research and, you know, open up a lot of facts that we haven't had before, hmm. you know, but even some of those, like even some of those reporters believe in like Pizzagate and stuff like that. And they think there's credible enough evidence to, to back it. Like then that's so, so at, at what point do you stop believing them? Like, do you believe them only on certain things that you're comfortable with? Or do you believe them on everything because you know that they're a reliable person that's going out to do what they can to find the truth? It's really, it's too easy to say somebody's reliable just because you believe them. Yeah. You know, and that's where the problem comes. Like we watch, you, you talk to people who watch Fox news and they're convinced mm. that their news is the only truthful news. Yeah. And everybody else is the mainstream media when in fact Fox News is everything very, is the mainstream media. Well, yeah, yeah. If you're like, watching it on TV, spoiler yeah, alert, it's the yeah. mainstream media. They're yeah. probably the most mainstream media in a lot of yeah. ways right now because they are so so many people listen to them and believe without fact checking. Yeah. That there's and, and they have they do so well in cable news. You know, you can't knock them, you can't pull them out of mainstream media, even though everybody yeah. does. That's that's why we all need to go and just you know su support our boy Alex Jones. <laughs> you can support Alex Jones. I think. Do you, okay. Do you have? Is there anything that Alex Jones has ever said that you have agreed with? Because he wasn't always the you know you know balls to the wall type of guy with the crazy conspiracies. Like he used to be very. I believed early on he was passionate and wanted the truth, and he found something that he could be successful in, and yeah. he. Started off well when you listen to some of his early interviews, like say on Coast to Coast. Hmm. He, he's a decent guy. Um, yeah. 
No, he seems like the coolest dude every time he's on Rogan. Like, I love watching him on, on Rogan because it's, I don't know, like, they seem like they're really good buddies, and it's just a, it's a good dynamic. I like how Rogan calls him out a lot, but, yeah. you know, Alex, a lot of people like liked him before he was famous. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to separate the early him before he was popular. Yeah. Um, you know, I listened to him from early on, and then there's... There's a story about him in a John Ronson book. I don't know if you know who John Ronson is. I don't. He wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats. Okay, yeah, yeah. Good writer. But he wrote about infiltrating Bohemian Grove with Alex Jones. That was him. Yeah. Okay. The story is is just amazing from John Ronson's perspective and Mm -hmm. Alex Jones's perspective because John Ronson will touch on subjects as a writer that a lot of people won't and he's and he's pretty entertaining and he had a kind of a hilarious these are just a bunch of old rich people getting together um having fun and getting drunk and alex jones was like these are the leaders of our society they're gonna take us over and do yeah. this and that so how do, how do we know which one was correct um like I, I, okay i know it's a stretch i know it's a stretch to think that there's you know some weird big cabal out there that is trying to usher in the new world order and you know, bring forth the Antichrist or whatever the the end game is. But if if we're okay with believing that that's not one hundred percent true at all, and none of that is happening, and in fact everything's normal, it's just old guys that like to get drunk. Like we should also open our minds up to the possibility that it is the other way around. That like, what if these are just lunatics who think that you know black magic or like ritual sacrifice or any of that stuff? really does work in giving them what they need and they're out there doing this stuff well we are a ritualistic society to begin with Mm -hmm. you know if you look at our churches Mm -hmm. those are rituals that Mm -hmm. were probably once considered black magic yeah um a lot of our ceremonies um including the way the president walks down you know when he's nominated or elected yeah and takes the oath of office, (laughs) office all that stuff is ritualistic Mm -hmm. the pledge of allegiance we as a species develop ritualistic stuff now would you look at something like a bohemian grove or some of the other gatherings that alex jones stuff like that yeah yeah. when they talk about that kind of stuff it's it is sometimes powerful people Mm -hmm. rich powerful people coming together to determine the future of the world and that makes sense because you want these powerful people in the same room together to help foster peace and prosperity. Of course, it, it does lead to war sometimes, but for the most part, these people are connecting their society with a, a foreign society and trying to find common ground. And it looks like it's people controlling the world. And it, and it kind of is. It is. But yeah. not necessarily in a sinister way. But um, it could be. It like could, it could be, they could be doing good, but they could also be like, how can we get more money, more power, more fame and screw all these peons in the process? Like, we don't care about them. This is for us. This is for our legacies. You know, it could easily be, but that it could be bad. It could be them doing the bad stuff that no one thinks is happening. You know, it's. It could be, but it also could be setting up the United States and its citizens to be more comfortable yeah. than they ever have been, which you know, with all the strife going on, everybody that got locked down for the most part, except for the poor people, hmm. had a pretty safe place to stay home at yeah, and had some benefits. So the poor are always going to suffer under any advanced society. You know, even if it's not an advanced society, the poor are always suffering. 
Yeah. Um, I would say some of these gatherings have gotten gotten us um, new jobs, you know, more money. That it could be bad, mm-hmm. and that's where it's up to us to watch watch it. But it also tends to benefit us as a society, which it is probably just because we are so powerful as a nation. Most yeah. things will benefit us in the end because we will make it so. Yeah. It now. It doesn't always benefit other countries that we use in these situations. Um, and again, that's I would look at more the conspiracy being why are we not let taking more control of our government and making them do things that we want them to do yeah. instead of the other way around. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, it is up to us to watch them and make sure they're not doing all the bad stuff. And that 100% true. But what about the people that are watching them? And reporting the bad stuff. And we're still going, oh, no, that's that's fake news. That's a lie. That's a conspiracy theory. Like, what if there is just really messed up stuff going on and no one is believing the people that are actually paying attention to it? Well, that's normal. At some point, something changes or the right information comes out and that changes people's opinion. So we just wait for a revolution of some sort to take place? No, we keep we keep expecting people and and paying good reporters yeah. no matter what level they're at to find credible information and not just theories and yeah. to go back to alex jones who like i say early on he's kind of nice when he's on the rogan show he's nice yeah but when you really look at some of his conspiracies that he promotes now to keep himself on the air even though he keeps getting banned in different hmm. on different outlets um they're dangerous and ridiculous and j- almost I mean, if you watch how he acts, hopefully it's just an act because we've all heard him be nice. But he he sounds crazy all the time. He's undermined himself. I remember he finally got a seat on, on, I think it was the Piers Morgan show on CNN. Hmm. And I was like, at that point, I, I was somewhat respectful of him. And he just went on there and lost his mind. Instead of explaining his views in a way that were rational... He yeah. basically made every conspiracy theorist look like an idiot because he acted like an idiot. But that's easy to do. I think if you're if you're really passionate about something and someone's not grasping it, like if you're explaining it clear as day and be like, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and their their first reaction is, that's insane. Like, of course. Like there's certain people that are gonna lose their shit. <laughs> and they're gonna be like, It's not insane, it's happening, it's real, it's going on right now, you know? Like But by doing that he made everybody lose their credibility. Yeah, yeah. As, so we need rational people in there to be like, look, I've studied the data for everyone, and here we go. Here's all the pedophiles. Here's this. Here's that. You know, like... But like, aren't the rational people not believed by the conspiracy theorist? No. Like, it depends on who you at. Like, if you go to some of these crazy ones, sure. But you and I could have a discussion, and I could believe something. And if you word it in a way where I'm like, yeah, that is also a possibility. It doesn't change my mind. It, but it it opens up an, an like alternate possibility that I can be like, okay, yes, it could be very bad, but I could also see this being used for a good thing. It could be this, it could be that, you know. So it's it depends on who you ask and how you know mentally stable they are to to actually look at stuff like that. Like me, I would prefer to be proven wrong on theories. I prefer someone to be like, hey, that's way off. Let me tell you what is actually going on. And if they say it to a point where the information backs that up. Then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe that is, you know, it's not a guarantee, but maybe, you know, I'm not someone that's just like 100% this is happening. Well, cause I think there's a lot of rational people out there yeah. exposing the ridiculous conspiracy theories and there's, and people just 
no, that's not true. It's just the government lying to us so that we won't believe it. And that's where you get the issues is nobody believes anybody outside of their own echo chamber right now. So, Mm. you know, you click on a couple conspiracy theories on YouTube, you're going to be inundated with them. You follow a couple conspiracy pages on Facebook, everything you get on your your feed is going to be conspiracies. And pretty soon you're down a rabbit hole. You you know, you didn't really expect to go that far down and you're a firm believer and it's really hard to uh, deprogram that. Whether it's a conspiracy or, you know, the white supremacist way of thinking Mm. or the Nazis back in the day. I mean, once you're programmed, it's hard to change that. And you basically seek confirmation bias at that point. And so it's really hard to get a place where people are going to listen to each other and words are going to sway them. It's almost you almost have to wait and you can put out your views you can say this is what i believe this is some information yeah but you almost got to just sit back and let people let it let it kind of percolate in people's minds and let them come to their own decision which is not what either side uh, a conspiracy theorist or the opposing side yeah. ever does it's attack 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 and you can't change people's minds when you're attacking them oh true yeah and that's the only way to ever get anywhere is with a civil discussion like but to me that is a, a very simple fix that will never happen. And that's an algorithm shift. That's most of these people get their information from what, Google? You know, they Google around until they find something or they, they scour these weird websites trying to find information and stuff like that. But, and I've, I've mentioned it in the past, but there's a TED talk about Google's algorithm in general and how it's catered to the person that's using it. Right. And so if you believe a certain way and you Google something, your, your algorithm for you from Google is going to show you things that you would believe. And so if Google would knock that shit off and be like, hey, this is what the actual facts are. When you Google something, no matter what you feel about it, we're telling you what the results are. Like that would be one thing. And that would help people get past this whole thing of everything I've ever researched has been right. And everything I've ever done is, you know, I know what I'm talking about. You know, like it's a simple fix, but it's never going to happen because that's just not the way that like Google is run. I think it's a simple fix. It's also a brilliant algorithm because it is. Mm-hmm done so much for business and it has made the internet a thing Mm. like it was the internet was always going to be a thing but now it's everything yeah and that help part of that is more people need to be educated to the fact that say their searches or likes matter yeah you almost have to ignore all the noise or be diverse enough in what you're searching or what you're liking to where it kind of defeats the algorithm yeah so throw them off every once in a while back. Like, I'm going to click on this and I would never click on this. Right. And, and you know, that's a, an easier way to kind of throw it off a little bit, but you know, the internet and, and all that comes with it is a new technology still, even yeah. though it's been around for 20, 30 years, you know, as a main part of our society, it takes a while with new technology to learn how to use it, how to be safe with it, what kind of laws are needed, yeah. what kind of um, oversight. You're seeing a lot of it now with all the pushback on like Facebook and Twitter, things like that for their misinformation that Mm -hmm. they let out saying basically it's freedom of speech. But they're finding that the misinformation is in a lot of cases racist or violent or misogynistic. And and that type of stuff, 100 percent. Right. But it it takes a while to decide where where those uh, where you're going to put the new filters in and are those going to be correct or where you're going to China. China just. uh, the country, China, just outlaws the stuff. Yeah, That's not really the way we're supposed to do things here and the way we expect to do things. We try, but people don't want things outlawed here. So 
we got to learn how to use it in a safer way and stop taking the first information that comes online or out of the TV to heart and do some work to research it. You might find that it's a crazy person talking that has an agenda. Yeah. And it's really easy to find out. Like that's, that's the one thing, like anyone that hears a crazy idea, like it's one thing to be like, Oh, that's nuts. Like, and not fully believe it. But if you hear something and you're instantly like, this is the truth. This is 100% accurate. And you don't take the extra five, 10, 15 minutes to, to at least look it up a couple times. Be like, am I finding this anywhere else, but this one website. Right. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because it does, there's a lot of people that really do put in hours and hours of research and they get, you know, shoved to the side and be like, well, you're crazy. Those are all conspiracies. When in fact, like they actually did the research on these things to see this is happening. This is real. And it's just ignored because there's people out there that will see something and be like, Oh, I heard, you know, reptilians are taking over and suddenly everything is, oh, well, you're a conspiracy theorist, the end. I don't know anything about lizard people because I'm too scared to look it up. That's the one reason. I'm like, I don't want to believe in lizard people. Well, if you look it up, you find out how crazy it is. Hmm. So then it's kind of like, oh, it would make it's a funny. not to believe. Yeah. yeah, that'd make a funny movie. Yeah. You know, it, Coneheads. I mean. Lizard people. Yeah. If you want to watch a good movie that kind of makes you see things different go back and watch they live it's a classic horrible kind of movie but it's really interesting and makes you look around differently yeah um but it's not lizard people but it's a similar story of those in power that people like a david ike used to say about lizard people which Mm. used to everybody famous in entertainment or in power was Was a reptilian person Yeah. yeah Well, and David Icke is still very prevalent today. Like, you don't hear his name thrown around too much and, you know, normal. But if you, if you go and check out, like, these conspiracy boards and stuff like that, yeah, it's still very popular. But once you hear the, his theory on li- lizard people, it's pretty hard to take him seriously after that. Yeah. And it's, that's the problem with a lot of the people that are famous, like Alex Jones or mm. David Icke, is once they have something that's so ridiculous and so... It's so easy to track down some information and realize how bad those theories are. It's a little harder to take them seriously later. So yeah. if you're famous and promoting conspiracy theories, it, you lose a lot of credibility amongst you know the regular population. Yeah. I don't know if regular is the right word, but... The normies yeah. is what we call them. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you lose a lot of cred- credibility there because they promote such crazy stuff mm. and... That's, I guess, while it makes conspiracy theories popular, it's not helpful for those that find ones that actually, like an op- Operation yeah. Paperclip or MK Ultra, that actually were a thing that might not, if they came out, if the information just came out now, you might not believe it because mm-hmm. it might be promoted by somebody that's just ridiculous. Yeah. How much would your, like, would you be mind blown if, if you discovered that lizard people were a real thing or reptilians, whatever you want to call them? Like if if 100% solid verifiable proof came out that reptilians are real, would that, would you maybe steer a little bit closer to the conspiracy theories because that ended up being true? Or would you just be like, oh, that's weird and move on? It's hard to say because I can't see any way that that would be a real thing. I can see one way, one way. And it, and even that, even that one way is a stretch and I'm still not going to look into it because I just don't want to fall down that. But like we talked about in the last episode with Giants, I mentioned gene splicing pretty much. 
and them taking DNA from, you know, animals and humans and stuff like that. And like pretty much just making chimeras. Uh, if that happened between, let's say, lizards and human beings, lizard people could have been a thing burrowed under the earth and we'd never know because they live under the earth. That's the only way. And like I said, haven't looked into anything, but my mind likes to piece things together and be like, well, you did say this last time, so it could be this. But I, I have a theory that lizard, the li- lizard people thing became a reality to some people after the, I don't know if it was late 60s, early 70s show, Land of the Lost, which they ma- later made Will a remake Ferrell, yeah, of. Yeah. But the movie the, was good. I liked it. Everyone's like, it's not the original. Whatever. The original was really cheesy. Um, I believe it. Yeah. Ridiculous. But it had this thing called a stack. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Which yeah. just was scary to me as a kid. It just, mm. all it did was hiss and look like the lizard man. Yeah. Maybe that's where it came from. They watched that show enough growing up and it got into their mind and all of a sudden it it was a reality when the the only reality that that you can really say is with lizard people is that there is a part of our brain that's so old and um, basic that it's called the reptilian part of our brain. But that's about it, you know, and that that is only a thing because we believe in evolution. Yeah, that we evolved from that place at some point, so that but we kept that very simplistic part of the brain. Yeah, um, do you? But it, uh, it doesn't make us a lizard person. Yeah, kind of in a sense. <laughs> if you if you really want to stretch it out, but yeah, uh, do you believe in like synchronicities? Like that there's any purpose behind it? Like any kind of um, like meaning? You know, like if you experience something over and over, or or like even just with what you said when you said slee stack. I haven't heard that term since that movie came out probably, I don't know, it's got to be close to like eight, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, and I read that exact same term that were that word sleaze stack yesterday. Hmm. And I was like, what is that? Why does that sound so familiar? And then when you said sleaze stack, I'm like, that's what it was. Shit. It was that movie. Yeah. Like, what are the odds that I, I would go, you know, years and years without hearing a term or a word or a phrase or anything like that? And then have it happen consecutively on those days, like one after the other. It, maybe it's epigenetics. Maybe your parents were afraid of slee stacks like I am. Hmm. Oh, it makes back sense. in the yeah. day, and they transferred that to you. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a, a form of trauma within you. Yeah. But I've never seen the movie, so I have no clue what really? the slee stack is in the movie. I, I remember. I can see them now, yeah. Yeah, with, um, there's a lot of people that, that believe in, like, let's say, the simulation theory or something like that, that believe that, that having these synchronicities is a pretty much an indicator saying that you are on the right path in life. You're exactly where you need to be. And these are just little, you know, what do you, what do you think about something like that? I believe for one thing, humans make patterns, mm-hmm. but I also believe if something keeps presenting it in yourself in your life, it's because you keep moving toward it. Yeah. And maybe there's a lesson that needs to be learned or something that needs to be learned yeah. there. And I guess I need to learn about sleep stacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> You know, there's, I think sometimes the world is our teacher. Mm. So things keep repeating itself until you are taught. Yeah. And you have to make that choice to be taught by whatever it is. It's maybe just a a way we focus yeah. that, that could seem like synchronicity. I mean, synchronicity makes more sense than a lot of things because it's just maybe a cycle of, you know, your life or the world you're living yeah. in or the universe. Have you ever had a, um, I mean, I, I know several, I, I've talked to several people that have experienced it and I've, I've had it happen to me too, where you hear a word for the first time 
And then you hear that same word repeated like four or five times in that day. And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even know about this thing. And suddenly I know of five different instances where I've heard about it. And that could be, again, a, a level of focus. Yeah. Um, you, you're actually paid, paying attention to this word all of a sudden. Yeah. Because I've had stuff where I, like, I see or hear something that either I've never heard or haven't thought about in years. And then over the next couple of weeks, mm. it comes up a lot. Yeah. Is my focus on that? Am I, is it grabbing my attention? Is it just maybe a cycle that keeps repeating itself that I'm actually, my eyes are a little bit more open or my yeah. ears are a little more open? Maybe, maybe the lesson in it should be that we should focus on good things. Because if we focus on that, we're more likely to, to, to see that type of stuff. Like if, like, let, let's say you're, you're shopping for a car and you go out and you drive a Toyota Corolla and you're like, oh, I really like this car. You're going to pass 150 Toyota Corollas on the way home. Right. And it's because your mind is on that. Is that what you're kind of saying? Like, yeah. Like similar so, to that. So if we were to, to actually, instead of just focusing on every bad thing that's going on in our life, if we were to be like, hey, uh, this is something I'd like to do and like start focusing on good things and positivity. Is it possible that we could kind of shift into that direction? I would say that if people would stop thinking or start thinking like that, yeah, there'd be, be no need for conspiracy theories. Yeah, It would be because there may be stuff happening, but if you're focused on the better things in life, that's what you're going to keep moving toward. Yeah. And that would fix a lot of things. But we have a lot of people that have trained us to be addicted to the bad things. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, that's what I think conspiracies end up being is bad stories or scary stories. They're great stories. Man. Yeah. But they also make <laughs> us do if, if you're not careful, you become a victim Yeah, where the government is against you. The new world order is against you. The aliens are here or the lizard people. Yeah. So it, it's, it's like a fine line of being entertained and then, being indoctrinated into fear and victimhood. And that's where I have a big issue with a lot of conspiracy theories is it yeah. makes us victims too much. You know, it's maybe just a choice we made to ignore stuff like True. that or to be okay yeah. with it or, or whatever. But we're not, we, when we look at ourselves as victims, we tend to start getting in that echo chamber where it's everything is, you know, the Republicans are out to get me, the Democrats. Yeah, any anytime any political party is attached to something, I instantly just turn off. I'm like, nope. Well, the thing it's, is, we, we put those attachments there, you know, and we blame it on them instead of blaming but, it on but us. But everything doesn't have to be political. You know, like, it, not every problem in the world has to be, well, it's these damn, you know, right-wing Republicans and these, you know, hardcore extreme leftists and these liberal tards and all. You know, everything is just such a crack. And you're like, okay, look, everyone sucks. Let's just face it. Let's be real. Everybody sucks. Yep. We all have that potential, yeah. you know, and yeah. we've, we've all done that before. So I, it's, I think it's something we'll get out of. It's just a process, especially yeah. if we are allow ourselves to be smarter and more worldly. It's harder to to corral people that understand the different cultures in the world and the different ways of believing and are okay with people not necessarily having their opinion, yeah. but are also not going to demonize the other side, which is what we do a lot now, you know. Yeah, we demonize the side that doesn't agree with us or doesn't align with us, and then instead of just communicating, right? Yeah, you know, we it becomes 
a battle where you either back them into a corner or they back you into a corner. Mm. And there's, that's not going to have a peaceful resol- resolution. Yeah. I will. Uh, I think China is going to be home soon. So I'm going to end on uh, one conspiracy, and I'm probably going to butcher it because I've only heard it one time that has to do with the original topic of Operation Paperclick. Okay. Paperclick. Yeah. Paperclick. Operation Paperclick. Paperclip. <laughs> you say it once and it's like, oh, that's not it. That's, that's totally it. different no. operation. And that one's still <laughs> not, yeah. not unclassified. It's under wraps. Yeah. But okay. Um, and this has to do with that. Like I kind of brought it up yesterday with uh, that documentary I was watching called Above Majestic, which I had so many different feels on. It was one of those documentaries where I'm like, oh, really? This is going on? And then the next minute, I was like, okay, there's no way that's going on. And then, and that happened like 15 different times throughout the thing. So I was just a roller coaster of emotion the whole time. I'm like, I believe this. I don't believe this. I believe this, you know? Um, but one of the interesting theories was that uh, I think it was the late 30s. And, you know, don't quote me or anything on this because, like I said, heard it one time, the end. Um, there's speculation that the uh, there's like an off-world civilization. Like we pretty much broke away from the Earth and traveled into space to colonize other planets and all this stuff in the the late 30s or early 40s, but I want to say late 30s. Um, and they they said that it was the Nazis that got contacted by this alien race. They got shown this technology, and it was a group of Nazis that took off into space. And colonized. I've heard that theory before, and I actually, I haven't seen the movie, but there's supposed to be a movie that's kind of like a farcical horror movie about Nazis from outer space. Really? And that's where that idea came from. Yeah. But also, and this part is more factual, but on world, the Nazis were checking into Antarctica Mm -hmm. for various reasons. And I think they called it New Schwabiland. Yeah. Um. And it drew the Americans down there, and there's all kinds of stories about that. But that theory about them being off-world could probably be connected to the theory of them trying to start a new country or a new way of thinking either during the war, just prior to the war, or after the war. Mm. Because they were going throughout the world with all these different theories and trying to measure different things that they weren't capable of at that time but they were trying yeah so i'm not a believer in that but it it's an interesting thought i heard the movies really entertaining yeah i'll have to remember the name of it because they were they were saying that um like we didn't take on nazi we didn't hire nazi scientists they were forced upon us because we wanted the alien technology and the, the nazis had the alien technology and so they were like yeah Okay, we'll share some of this knowledge with you, but you have to take our scientists and we're going to infiltrate your country to start this and like pretty much spread the the Nazi empire or whatever. Sounds like another victim. Could thing. be. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's I was I was just fascinated by it. I'm like I've never heard that that take on it and it's a pretty hot take to to say that, you know, the Nazis essentially won in a sense, got off the planet and then sent the rest of the guys that were on planet to us to infiltrate America and all that. I'm like, "Damn, that is nuts." You know, like but the way, I mean, and like I said, if if you want to hear someone actually word it in a way that's maybe a bit more eloquently than myself, which has a bunch of us and well and 
you know, all that fun stuff. You can check out the documentary itself to see, because I want to say it was David Wilcock that was talking about it. So just find that segment and, and listen to him and be like, oh, maybe I believe this, maybe I don't. It's just, it was a fun thing to kind of stumble across. I'm like, damn, that's, I've never, and I've heard of a lot of strange things. I've never once heard that. Yeah. David Wilcock tend to have, he deals in the strange. Yeah. But I'm not sure he deals in anything you can believe. And I just can't see any way that we went to space before the time when we did. Yeah. And no way. Nope. And if the Germans had had alien technology, they might not have screwed up so much in yeah. World War II. So, yeah, that's yeah, a that's a, another one that could be entertaining, be great for movies. Yeah, I'm not sure I would believe it. Yeah, but I haven't watched the documentary you watched either. Maybe that would convince me. Uh, no, you'd probably be laughing at it at a great number of parts because they do. Okay, look, they talk about reptilians. They talk about the whole you know breakaway civilization, which. But okay, for me, breakaway civilization. I was under the impression it was us that broke away. It was the majestic twelve, mm-hmm. like United States. So hearing that it was actually the Nazis, I was like, damn, is that true? Is that a, you know, like so now there's two breakaway civilizations, or or did we take the the technology from the aliens and Nazis? do it ourselves and be like all right deuces we're out or is it just bad information yep all three are are very maybe the breakaway civilization was in argentina where the germans went after at the end of world war ii and maybe we just made it space related and then we came to believe it well one of the like the hollow earth theory has uh admiral bird seeing swastikas and stuff like that in antarctica when he's flying over saying that there's this like weird land and stuff filled with these you know, tall alien creatures having swastikas and all that stuff. So I'm like, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that that is a possibility and always tied back to the Nazi party because they were literally everywhere doing everything. They were the boogeyman back then. Yeah. So I could see that happening and they were scary to everybody because they were so advanced in military. I can't even say the word, but militarily. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a um, tough one. um, So it, it would be a fun story as long as it's not true. Yeah, I don't as believe long as it. It's not true. If it was true, it would be a, a lot less of a fun story, right? And we'd yeah. be in a lot worse situation than we are now. Yeah, there's a part of me that just really hopes that shit hits the fan, and that you know we get disclosure, and that we see aliens and and weird lizard people popping out of the ground. Because as terrifying as it would be, you have no idea the amount of satisfaction that I would get in my soul if I was able to look over at you and China and just be like. Who told you? <laughs> okay, who believed this stuff? It was me. It was your guy. Yeah, but and I'd be like, but I've been less stressed about it. Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> and then we would both Too die. Shy. Yeah, but so, I would die going out of victor. You know, I'd be like, I knew it. I knew it was real. It would be hollow victory, though. Yeah, hmm. I'll take it. Yeah, that'd be like a, a team that cheats in a national sporting event, getting a victory, like the Astros. I or don't something. think cheating that was the word that I would use for it. I think I would call it research and in like just deep dives on weird stuff that nobody wants to talk about. That's what I'd call it. I, I'm just fascinated by all this stuff, you know, like the world is such a a strange place in general that believing even stranger things doesn't, you know, it doesn't uh, make it any weirder for me. I'm just like, yep. Par for the course. You know, what a strange rock we live on as a, Former conspiracy theorist that has turned skeptic. I could, yeah. I mean, I understand, but 
I think the world is a better place without crazy conspiracies. Yeah. Now, what we judge as crazy is for another episode. True. Yeah. <laughs> and we've probably talked about five or six things just in this episode that are going to be episodes all on their own because I'm I'm always fascinated. Like, especially Hollow Earth. Slee Stack? Slee Stacks, maybe. We'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look into the origins of that. Uh, but, yeah, I think for the time being, I think China's going to be home in a few minutes. So we should probably wrap this up. All right. Um, I did, like I said, I'll... I'll if God, I hope it's right. I can't find the note, but I set up an email address and I set up a uh, Instagram account. The email address right now is just a Gmail account. And once things get kind of settled in, if you know we get people listening and all that stuff, then I will 100% go to town on a website and make it look dope because that's my favorite thing to do. Um, but for now, I think, and that's a horrible way to say it. I think the email account is the freaky deaky pod at gmail.com and if it, and if you're wrong you can just re-say if, it and yeah, edit it in if it, if it gets bounced back then check the last episode because i was reading it and now people have to go back and listen to the entire last episode to get to see or you just genius. you just yeah. clip out your voice from the last one and put the right uh, that's a lot of work no i did that like 15 times <laughs> i think on the first one uh yeah and then i think the instagram is freaky deaky pod so and the plan for that again is to have images that that kind of go with whatever the subject matter is like whatever we talk about put that up there so people can kind of get a brief rundown uh show notes pictures that kind of fun stuff follow share tell your weird friends uh tell your normal friends this is a podcast that works with both yeah yeah so so yeah if uh the, the main thing though is if you have stories paranormal if you have your own conspiracy theories if you have unknown things that you want like talked about just shoot them to me because i love that stuff what about ways of disproving conspiracy no nope, you keep that shit to yourself and <laughs> that's what i want though <laughs> that's what the spam folders for people will be like okay uh yeah actually you mentioned this and i'll be like right to spam no i can't do that because i'm an honest man but I sure would love to. So yeah, if there's if I said something that is 100% wrong, which spoiler alert, I probably did. Feel free to let your boy know. Uh, when we get enough like paranormal encounters and stuff like that, we can do episodes like this that are catered just to listener stories or you know listener conspiracy theories. If they have their own weird ideas on the way the world works, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, it's always good to have a new conspiracy theory to debunk yeah. or to prove. Or yeah, I will tend to be the debunker. Yeah. What if it got switched around? And what if you were the one that believed it? And I was like, no, I don't know. It seems a little far fetched. That would be yeah. entertaining for all those <laughs> listening. But, th- you yeah. know, like, yeah. I do believe in a couple. Yeah. But I can usually back them up with some proof. True. And, you know, we'll get you on board with all the weird stuff at some point. You know, this is what, episode four? So, I mean, there's plenty of time. <laughs> it's all not- I say is good luck. Yeah, my mind is very skeptical. Yeah, yeah, but it just takes one. It just takes one to kind of break that where it's like where you question something that you believed and you're like, wait a minute, that does sound plausible. Most of the ones that I do believe are very plausible because they're all human based. Yeah, they're all documented and backed up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no fun. Yeah, but but we'll make it fun. Yeah, one way or another. <laughs> all right. Uh, next episode probably going to be dogman i will hammer it out i'm going to be completely clueless on dogman exactly i was too but all right until next time
wear on to something.